Amen. Okay, get your Bibles out. Let's get to what I know of my job. Praise God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, 19, excuse me. Galatians 4, 19 is where you want to start. Okay, I'm not going to review last week's message because if I do, I know I'm going to get just caught up in all of that. So if you weren't here last week, I started a message on the Holy Spirit and um, why, we, why the Holy Spirit is poured out, why, what all of that was last week. And so you can go to the broadcast, you can look at it, you can, you can uh, revisit that message. But I want to go on with, with part two today about the purpose of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because I'm not going to get through all of this. It's going to take forever if I don't get going. Now, I want to say this to you. You may hear me use the term Holy Spirit or, or Holy Ghost. You got to understand when I was saved and I first started reading my Bible, the first Bible somebody gave me was a King James Bible. And so I started reading the King James. And so King James translates it Holy Ghost because the, 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 the word is pneuma and pneuma can be translated spirit or ghost. And so, um, I didn't know. I just read my Bible, said the Holy Ghost. And so it just, it just stuck with me. It's just the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. And then someday one, some person asked me one time, what's, you know, what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost? And I was like, well, there's not. And then, but I, then I realized my verbiage, I was flipping back and forth. So in case that's you, you've been wondering what I'm talking about. Either way, the word goes, it depends on if you read King James, New King James, or other translations that use Holy Spirit. I'm just kind of ingrained in me, the Holy Ghost. So anyway, everybody say, it's okay, Pastor. All right. Let me just pray before I get into this. Father, I just pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, oh, Holy Spirit, that you'll come right now and open up people's eyes and understanding in their hearts. I declare every devil in hell is rebuked. I declare, Lord God, this is a sanctuary. This is holy ground. As we speak and teach on the word today, Lord, don't let it be my words. Don't let it come out of my head. I want it to be from the Spirit of God, not from me. And Lord, just touch people's hearts. Whatever they need to hear today, I thank you. They're going to hear it because it's going to be from you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. <clears throat> okay, so the purpose for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's some really bad teachings in the body of Christ. And when I say this, I'm not picking on any denomination. It's not my job. My job is to preach the gospel. But there's three really bad teachings out in the world about the Holy Spirit. And you may have come across them. You may have been taught them, okay? The first one is, is that the Holy Spirit was only given to the early church for the promotion of the gospel. And that was it. After that, it, it did not exist anymore. Well, just to speak to the, the to give my my dissertation this morning to the court, I just want to tell you, the reason why that can't be true is, is that if the Holy Spirit was only given to the early church for the promoting of the gospel and the, to show that Jesus is real and all of that, that's the only reason why there were signs and miracles and wonders going on. Well, then when did it end? Because the last time I checked, everybody's not saved and everybody around the world doesn't believe the gospel. And if we ever needed a time there to be power in the gospel to it to be real would be now because there's so many unbelievers. So that doesn't follow proper thinking or theology for that to even be true. So if you've ever been taught that, I'm sorry, you were taught a wrong teaching and I'm going to clear some of that up later on, but that's you just need to put that out there. The second one is, is a little more deceptive because you've got to understand something. Okay. The devil knows that when you got saved, he lost you. 
All right. He know he lost you. Not, he knows that he's not going to get you to go to hell. You got saved. You're going to go to heaven. So he lost you. So now the only thing he can do is try to trip you up in life to keep you as ineffective as you possibly could be. So you're a saved Christian. You're going to die. You're going to go to heaven. But you're ineffective as a witness. You're ineffective in anything you're doing. You're, you're miserable in your own life. You have no peace. You're not walking in the promises. That's where he'd want to keep you. Okay. So he'd want to keep you there by not having an understanding about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's the power of God in your life. So the second teaching is that you received all of the Holy Spirit when you were born again. There is no subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is no more indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You got all that you got when you got saved and that's all there is. Okay? That's a wrong teaching. Yes, you received the Spirit of God, when you were born again, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. But I'll show you today that there is more than just that. The third teaching is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the moving of the Holy Spirit is only for certain people. Okay? Only certain people get the gift of tongues. Only certain people uh, have a prayer language. Only certain people God would use like that. It's not for everybody. And again, that's a wrong teaching. The gift of the Holy Spirit, just like salvation is for everybody, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for every believer who wants to believe and walk in the truth. Okay? So those are three teachings. If that kind of shocked you uh, and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I believe that. Well, I want to prove you wrong. And I want to tell you, I feel the pressure this morning, not from necessarily y'all, maybe come from y'all, but I feel the pressure this morning of, of, of a fight going on because I'm telling you, the devil does not want me to preach this message this morning because it's revelational truth. Now, I'm not scared. I mean, it's just like I just had to get up this morning, put my britches on and put my boots on. And say, so, okay, right, it's going to be a fight today. Bless God, I'm ready for it. You tackle the wrong person. You want to mess with me? I mean, I'm not upset about it. I'm like, you're going to lose. People are going to hear the truth today. I will not be thwarted, okay? I'm going to go on. So here we go. I said to go to Galatians 4.19. This is the scripture. My little children for whom I labor and birth until Christ is formed in you. You have to remember through all of this teaching, keep your focus on the reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ in you, to make you more Christ-like. How many of y'all are already as Christ-like as you possibly could be? Well, you know. We all need help, right? We all need to be more Christ-like. We all have areas in our life. I want to tell you, I, I, I want to preach another message, but I know I've got to go this way with the spirits that help me. But I got a revelation this week. I mean, a life-changing revelation reading the word out of a scripture that I knew so well. I could quote it forwards and backwards and tell you how many letters are in it. And I read it and it just opened up like a new, brand new thing. And I saw it and it just blessed me. And I told Jen to share it with my wife. She's like, oh my gosh, look at this. And we went through this thing and we just feasted this week on this word, okay? To me, that is life. To me, that is the greatest thing that there is in life. That is a result of the Holy Spirit helping to form Christ in me. That's what it's all about, Okay. So, but let me show you this. Now go to Luke 24, 49. 24, 49. Jesus is speaking. And he says, behold, I send the promise of my father 
upon you. Everybody say the promise of the Father. Listen, this is Jesus speaking. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, your heavenly Father, had a promise that he wanted to give you. But he couldn't give it to you until Jesus did his work on the cross and made a way to make the promise then happen for you. He says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. Everybody say endued. That's a pretty good word. Endued with power from on high. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. And it's the same word that we get dynamite from. It means an explosive power. It doesn't just mean just the the, the ability to maybe hang on. No, it means this explosive power inside of you that just like I said, get ability to have a revelation, uh, ability to break a drug addiction over your life, ability to break old habits over your life, the ability to, to destroy fear in your life. All right. It's a power. Everybody say power. Power. The power, the dunamis dynamite power comes from the Holy Spirit. So what is this promise? Go, if you would, to Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart. This is the promise. This is what God the Father wanted for his believers. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you being born again. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So God, the father had this promise. He wanted to dwell within his believers Remember I told you last week in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon, upon the priests, the prophets, and the kings, and it only came upon them for a moment. They'd prophesy, they'd do whatever, and then, then, then they'd lift and go. But God says, no, I want to indwell my believers. I want to be there in them. But he had a problem. He couldn't come inside of the believers if we weren't a vessel that could hold the Spirit of God. We couldn't hold the Spirit of God because God is holy. Matter of fact, he said, if you even look at me in the Old Testament, you die. Only the high priest could go in once a year. He said, man, I can't dwell in those people. I want to be in them, but I can't dwell in them. And he couldn't dwell in us until Jesus came to the cross, made the sacrifice for us by his blood, made a, 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 wiped away the handwritten ordinances that was against us and all the things that were against us. So that when we became believers, asked Jesus to come in our life, our sins were forgiven and then our vessels could be holy vessels that could house the spirit of God. So that we could be a 1 Corinthians 3.16 person and be the temple of the living God. But that couldn't happen until Jesus could go, so I said in Luke 24, send the promise of the Father to us. I showed you last week, John 16, where Jesus said, I behold, I'm, I know you're sad. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. He said, I know you're going to be sad and everything that I'm going, but it's good that I'm going because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So Jesus is the one who sent us the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father to his people. 
What was it going to be there for? Well, so that you could walk in his statutes and keep his judgment and do them so he could change you and form Christ in you. Amen. He wanted to give you that new heart. He wanted to, 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 to be there with you, not leave you as an orphan. But see, people have gotten it so wrong. They've hyper-spiritualized everything in the scriptures. They've gotten it so wrong because they all thought, oh, we want to get the Holy Spirit so we can operate in the gifts of the Spirit so we can be something. No. It's so that Christ could be formed in you so that God could help you break all the junk off your life and get free so that you could be truly a witness, truly a minister for him. And that the ministry of the Holy Spirit could then flow through you to other people. It's his ministry. It's not your ministry. It's not my ministry. It's his ministry. It's all about him. It's not about us. Oh, but man, we love to make it about us. You know, we love to operate in gifts. We love to say, oh, I see brother over there and you and have a word and say it. And then it makes us feel important. I believe in prophecy. Listen, I want to teach you all the gifts of the Spirit, and I'll tell you, I believe in every one of them. I've operated in almost every one of them. I've seen it. You're not going to tell me. You're not going to come up here and say, oh, no. I've already been there. I've already done it. I've already, you know, I mean, I bought the T-shirt and the whole place. You're not going to ever tell me. You're not going to ever get me over to the side and say, well, there's not really the the gifts of the Spirit aren't really an operation day. I'm going to tell you, you're, you're lied to. Okay. But I can tell you there are people who love to manipulate things for their own good and their own glory, and God's not pleased with that. All right? Okay, here we go. So now go to Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, 8. Jesus again speaking. This is in Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. It's that same word, deutimus, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. See, here we go. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does he say? The Holy Spirit's coming upon you to be a witness. You see, folks, you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can be all you can be for Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could explain to y'all, but, you know, and, and sometimes it seems crazy, but you just can't imagine the miracles that I see take place all the time in my life. Because you see, I know me. And how many times I've just been eating supper and the Holy Spirit drops something in my heart and give me a message that then I'll preach. And then somebody will walk up to me and say, oh, my gosh, that was just a perfect message. Exactly what I needed to hear. And all I'm saying is, thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. How did you pull that off? Because my head wasn't in the game. I wasn't even thinking in that direction. I wasn't even thinking about going there. And you gave me that word and I said it. And then there somebody got blessed. I mean, it blows me away how much I see the spirit of God moving and things like that. Okay. But it's about being a witness for him. Power to be a witness. All right. Now. You got to understand. It's a power, right, to be a witness for him. So it's absolutely, totally the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You're not witnessing for you. You're witnessing for him. It's absolutely his ministry. It's absolutely the glory, the the, the bringing glory to Jesus 
is what it's all about. Okay? So you have to always think that. Does this bring glory to Jesus? Well, if it does, then it's probably a move of the Spirit. If it doesn't bring glory to Jesus, it just brings glory to you, then it's probably just you. You got to understand something. The Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, cannot be earned. You can't be somebody that just, you know, you, you learned your books of the Bible and you know where they all are. And so therefore you've earned admittance unto the next level of you get the Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. It's when you truly decide you want to be a servant for the Lord and you want to be his witness that then you're a candidate for the total infilling of the Holy Spirit because I'll show you in just a minute, all you have to do is ask and receive just like you did salvation. But it's only till your heart gets right and you really truly want Jesus to be the Lord of your life are you going to be really at the place to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be effective. It sure is quiet in here. Go to Luke eleven nine. Luke eleven nine. Jesus speaking. So I ask, so I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. And if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? He literally says that you trying to be good to your children, that everything you're doing is so far beneath what he wants to do by giving you the Holy Spirit that it looks evil. Think about that for a minute. All the love you could pour out for your kids, he's saying all that you would do in comparison to God giving us the Holy Spirit, it looks evil, like you didn't do anything for him at all. Well, that's a pretty good gift then of having the Holy Spirit if that's the way God's saying it to you, that it's so much bigger than you could even imagine, than you can even come up with in your humanly form. Humanly thoughts to your children? Wow. But what did he say? To those that ask him. Not earn it, ask him. Just like you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believed in him. So, the, so a person is indwelled and baptized in the Holy Spirit by asking and believing. Same process. Nothing's any different. It all comes through Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And if you confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart, right? If somebody came to you and they said, I want to be saved. I, I want to ask Jesus in my life. What would you say? Okay, well, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Just, I want to get Bob to testify when he gets back and all of just what he saw going on down at the beach in spring break. Never seen anything like that in 29 years. People just coming up and getting saved and getting saved and just coming up, kids coming up to him and just going off and then in the group and getting their friends and bringing them back up and, and just giving their hearts to Jesus and just crying. And, and it was just a move of God, just a move, uh, uh, something like we'd never seen before. And everybody, how did they get saved? Did Bob say, here, you got to jump over the, 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 the cross? 
You got to stand here, and if you're vertical leap, if you can touch that, you get saved. Did he say, no, you got to be able to tell me what the Bible says before you get saved? No, he just said, let's pray. And they did Romans chapter 10, verse 9. They confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart. And then Christ came to live and indwell in them, right? It's a miracle. Salvation is such a miracle. If you said, oh, you know, I've never seen God do any miracles. Oh, you're not saved? I mean, that's about the biggest miracle you could ever ask for. You got saved and you know it. You were headed down the road for hell because you weren't born perfect. Miracles, right? How did that happen? You believed, you spoke it out of your mouth, what you believed in your heart. Holy Spirit, same way. He says, if you're going to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to receive it the same way. Not by... Tearing at the altar, not by fasting and prayer, not by, no, by asking and receiving. I don't know why Pentecostals have always made it so complicated to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It always has to be this, you know, like you just got to hold your foot just right and you're, you know, just got to get just at the right angle before you can receive the Holy Spirit when it should be such a simple thing. I have no doubt. I believe you too. have no doubt that if someone, anybody, I don't care who they were. Vladimir Putin came walking in here right now. Walked up here and he says, I want to be saved. That's not a one of y'all wouldn't believe that God would save the man right here if that was truly his heart. Am I right? Am I right? That's not a one of y'all. Y'all would all say, oh, Vlad came to church, got saved. Y'all would be out calling for you. are not going to believe it. Oh, Vlad, he'd come to church. Got down there. I saw him crying. Got Jesus in his life. Saved right there. He's not, he ain't going to be ter- terrorizing no nation again. Am I right? Y'all wouldn't doubt it. You would say, oh, now, pastor, I don't know. That old boy, he's done a lot of sinning. I don't know if he can get saved. No. If he fell out and confessed with his mouth, repented of his sins and asked Jesus to come in, every one of y'all would be all jumping up and dancing. Woo-hoo-hoo. Vlad got saved. But then when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everybody draws back, you know, like a cow going through a new gate. Everybody's like, oh, what's that? I don't know. I used to get so mad. We had... When I was ranching, uh, when I, growing up as a kid, we had a, a property on both sides of the highway. And once a year, we'd have to move the cattle from one side to the other. And them stupid cows run right up to that yellow stripe in the middle of the road and just, whoa, just freeze up. And you just have me just about hooping and a holler, trying to get them to cross the road. And they're just staring at that yellow stripe. Oh, golly. Nothing there. But that's how a lot of Christians are. You're going along. Oh, yes, we'll accept Jesus. We'll get saved. And then you start talking about the Holy Spirit. It's just like the yellow stripe on the road. Everybody just freezes. Oh, gosh. Something spooky here. We're talking about spirits. I'm scared of spirits. Don't like ghosts. So it boils down to this. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a subsequent experience of being saved or not? So let's go to the word. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You know, what's funny about this is that I could teach on the Holy Spirit all day long. And uh, I have so many different angles. I've taught this for so many years. It's, such a gra- it's so, so ingrained on the inside of me and, and of, of knowing what the Word says. I don't, even have any, I don't even have any apprehension that anyone could ever argue the point with me and, and win because I know what the Word says. It's really easy when you just know the truth. 
But you just know truth and you just can go through it and you can just look at it through the truth and you don't have to worry about doctrine of churches and what other people said and what so-and-so wrote in his book. You just go to what Jesus said and what he laid out for us in the word. It's really easy. So Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now who's there? Who's, who, who are they talking about? Right? So we know there was not just 12 that day, right? There's 120. Y'all with me? This is not strange doctrine. I'm not teaching you something that's not in the word. I'm just saying there wasn't just 12 guys walked into the synagogue. (laughs) And then Holy Ghost fell on me. I'll start speaking in tongues. No, it was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is an old celebrated from from uh, all the way back in the Old Testament, written down in the Levitical law. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after the day of Passover. So 50 days later after Passover was the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. It was the Feast of First Fruits. It was when they celebrated the first rain coming in to the season upon all the crops and everything, right? That's what it was. It was the day of Pentecost. It was just like saying we got Easter coming up and everybody say, Easter, well, it really is not Easter, it's Passover. And they were all going to celebrate Passover. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew Pentecost. So it was the day of Pentecost. It wasn't like... That was the day God, it was already set down, written in the Bible. It's 50 days past the date of whatever Passover is. So I want you to understand something. The day of Pentecost doesn't mean they just started the Pentecostal revival. The word Pentecost was already there. They've been celebrating it for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. So they go to church, not just the 12, all of those that were in the upper room, was 120, all go to church. Now, let me ask you a question. Peter, uh, John, James, Matthias, Thaddeus, all the original disciples, would you say those guys were already saved? Jesus has died. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's died. He's poured his blood out. He was with them for 40 days. Remember, 50 days past Passover, Jesus was, went, you know, all of everything took place at the cross and everything on, at Passover. He was a Passover lamb. He had been with them for 40 days, talking with them, teaching them. Don't you think that they believe that he was the son of God, that he was risen from the dead? They're sitting there looking at him. Yeah. So we would technically say those guys were saved. Yeah. All right. So then there'd been 10 day period. They'd been by themselves. Now, Pentecost. So they don't know what they're doing. You got to understand something. They hadn't, these guys were slow. I get encouraged sometimes and I see how slow these boys were. You know, like walking down the road with Jesus and they're back there having a discussion of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Makes me feel good. And they were his chosen ones. So, I mean, you know. Anyway, so these guys aren't that sharp. They just know it's Pentecost Sunday. They're going to church. Just like you're going to buy an Easter bonnet for Easter Sunday. <laughs> There's just things you, you, it's just ingrained, right? All right. So they're going to church. They're not thinking about the Holy Ghost. These boys are slow. But God is. 
Because now everything's been done. Jesus has gone up into to, to the to the heavenly heavens and poured out his blood upon the mercy seat there. And all uh, the, the, everything's been made for man to be a vessel that could house the promise of the father coming to fulfill Ezekiel 36. Right. And the day of Pentecost is the day God said, this is the day it's going to happen. So Jesus is up there. He's ready. Holy Ghost is ready. And so it says, and they were there with one accord in one place. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them. Now, the funny thing about this is I didn't know this till, well, I'd been years reading this and studying this, and I didn't realize. Okay, so it says divided tongues as a fire. So, you know, the Pope has that little Pope hat, you know? You know what I'm talking about? The little pointed deal? Okay, that's, that's, they have that because that's a symbol of the, the tongue of fire. And I didn't know that until I got to study in this arena. That's why they cut them out like that. That's why it's not like a baker's hat. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, see, I, I got to look at this like a country boy. If we're I'm all just sitting here and I just look out there and say, boy, you got a fire on your head. Are y'all with me? It would just be a startling thing if I looked out there or y'all looked at me and I had a tongue of fire on top of my head. Hello? Would your first thought not be, put it out. (laughs) Get the water. What the? Right? I mean, if you're seeing this, you're standing there. And then on top of that, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their tongues. So now they're talking in a language that no one's heard and their head's on fire. (laughs) What a church service. All right? Now, let me go over there and keep reading. I only have certain notes. Let me to get over here in my Bible to Acts 2 and read the whole thing. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So they got these fire on top of their head. All these things are taking place. And then it says, and suddenly the sound from heaven is a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared in them divided tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's go on down to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred and the multitude came together, they were confused. I bet. Because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Now, I want you to note that. Heard them speaking in their own language. When they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galatian? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, all parts of Libya, joining to the Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying they're full of new wine. Okay, so you got half the crowd standing there saying, how are these guys speaking Arab. But you could have only known if they were speaking Arab if you spoke Arab. Right. Are you with me? Yes. Parthians, Medes, all these other guys, they knew they could hear them declaring the wonderful works of God, but only they would know 
Because if you've ever been in a foreign country and you start listening, especially like an airport, a big international airport like Frankfurt or something like that, and you're walking along and everybody's speaking a different language, it's, it's not confusing. It's just like you're just looking around kind of in amazement. Yeah. I'm always looking around saying, oh, they ain't saying nothing. <laughs> How did that mean anything? Don't touch you, not And everybody's like, oh, and I'm like, that didn't mean nothing. That ain't right. Because that is, you know, and then you hear, I hear somebody speak Spanish or something like that, you know, and then I'm okay. Oh, all right, you know, I, I got that, you know, but then you hear the other languages and when you're with a bunch of, so you imagine, I mean, I didn't count them on, what is there, 12 or 13 different languages being spoken all at one time. Now, the speakers who were speaking in other tongues in these other languages, it says right here that we know those boys ain't got enough sense to know another language, and then they're speaking that language. So they were speaking a known language. I just want you to note that. They were speaking a known language. But the speaker who was speaking that didn't know that language. Are you following me? And not everybody that heard them speaking knew what they were speaking because they would only know it if it was their dialect. Okay. Then there's another group saying, them boys is drunk. They got the communion wine strong this week. Boy, those guys are drunk. So, I don't know about y'all. I never, <clears throat> I never was in a bar that I looked around that bar one evening and said, golly, it looks like everybody's having church. <laughs> Why would they say that is what gets me. You with me? I've never seen that. I've never been in a bar, seen a bunch of drunks and looking around saying, look, look everybody's having church. <laughs> and I've only seen it on television and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so these guys are looking at the people in church saying they're drunk. But you know what I have seen? Of course, on television, that <laughs> drunks usually have no inhibitions. A drunk will say anything that comes through his head. Do anything that might strike his fancy. If he wants to get up on the bar and dance, he'll do it. Nothing to hold him back. I mean, most people that become overly intoxicated wake up the next morning regretting what they did because they did something that is outside their nature. Hello? So these boys are in church and these reserved Galatians... These apostles, these 120 who've been walking with Jesus, all of a sudden are hooping and hollering, dancing, got fire on top of their head, speaking in tongues. And everybody says, they look like they have no inhibition. Nothing is holding them back. Okay. You see, most of the time, what stops the flow of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is they get to a place, they get scared, and they don't, they think they're going to lose control. So therefore, they get inhibited and won't move on with the Spirit of God. And what people need an understanding about the baptism of the Holy Spirit first is God's a respecter of who you are. He'll never violate your free will. Tequila will violate your free will. Again, I've heard this. Are y'all with me? It will violate your free will. You'll do something you wish the next morning you hadn't have done, but God will never do that with you. Amen. You got to understand something. He loves you. Yes. He's not giving you the Holy Ghost to be goofy, yes. strange, odd, embarrassing. Right. 
But also, he can't use you or flow through you if you will not allow it. So if you become inhibited, then that inhibition inside of your life keeps you from moving in the flow of God. I've seen it a jillion times. The most reserved people have a hard time flowing in the things of the Holy Ghost because they're scared that God's going to make them do something that they won't won't do. And I'm just telling you, the Holy Ghost is not tequila. Now go to, was that just the, was that the dinner bell? I reached my point and the, the buzzer went off or what? Was that the sign from heaven? It caused me to lose my whole place here. <laughs> Acts chapter 8 is where we want to go now. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Are y'all seeing this? Yeah. My mother just sent me a text and told me to quit lying. (laughs) Called down by the executive secretary to the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Romans 8, 14. Now, there had been persecution at the church, early church. They, They were, they're all out there trying to kill them all. And so, so they'd all dispersed and, uh, the disciples went on all different places out to, 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 and just started preaching. And Philip went to Samaria, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, or you can read the whole chapter 8, but I want to pick it up in verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon none of them, and they had been baptized in the name of They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, if you received all of the Holy Spirit when you were born again, then why did the apostles send uh, James and John down there or Peter and John down there to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit? If the if you got everything when you got saved, it would have read. It would have read that he went out there and did it, and the, and the Holy Spirit came upon them because they he got baptized and they got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why would there be a, this written in there? There's no mistakes in my Bible. Hello, and so if if uh, the disciples went down there to lay hands on the believers, well, then they got they believed and they got saved first, and then they went down there to lay hands on them because. I, I, I'm just going to say because Peter and John were maybe more skilled in getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost than Philip was. Philip was an evangelist. I don't know. I'm just telling you something happened here that we need to take note of. Because if you got everything at salvation and there's no need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, then this wouldn't have been written in there. Okay? Let me go to another one, Acts chapter 19. Acts 19.1 says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why would he ask that? Why would he ask that question? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That would be like going up to a believer and saying, Did you receive the redemption of your sins when you believed? If, you, if, you, if there was no subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit, then why would he ask that question? So they said, so they said unto him, 
We've not even heard where there is Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Who's the Holy Ghost? And so uh, Paul says, Unto then what were you baptized? So they said, Well, unto John's baptism. So apparently, these guys had gone down, heard John the Baptist preaching about repentance, believed, got baptized, got so excited, left and went home before Jesus came on the scene. And Paul said, well, John indeed baptized with the baptism, repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So these guys only repented under John's ministry, heard about Jesus, they got saved, they came up out of the water, they were baptized, came up out of the water, he laid hands on them, then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. There's about 12 of them. My point is I'm trying to show to you this morning is the greatest hindrance to the, to the move of the Holy Spirit is first, the inhibition within our own life, and the second of not believing that there is a subsequent experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit past salvation. All right? Now, if you've been raised in a Pentecostal denomination, well, you know, old Pentecostals always preach and, 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 and preach to the altar about the baptism and drive it in you and drive it in you. You know, you got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost until you speak in tongues. So you can go in there and somebody can lay hands on you. You can say, oh, Lord, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I ask you for the Holy Spirit in my life. And somebody can lay hands on you and pray for you. And then if you don't start speaking in tongues immediately, they say, well, you didn't get it. You come back next week. Or something's wrong. You got some sin in your life, brother. Somewhere something's keeping you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now get out on your knees and repent, boy, and I tell you, maybe you'll get something. All right? But that's, that, that doesn't fit with the Word of God. The only thing I want to say, I, I, I just, let me just, just clear the air here, okay? The only thing that would keep you from speaking in tongues when you've asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit is... Your own inhibition. Because you're scared you're gonna look silly. I tell you, I've been in this, I've been in, I've been doing ministry too long to tell you, to stand up here and try to tell you any other reason. It's just you. It ain't on God's side, it's on you. If I was to tell you this morning, if I was to say right now, what's to hinder you if you're not saved, you don't know that you're going to heaven, what would hinder you from that? What would y'all tell me? You need to. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, right? And accept by faith Jesus. Well, the same as I'm telling you this morning, every one of you, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so Christ can be formed in you in a greater way, all you have to do is ask by faith and believe and receive. Now, the gift of praying, in, uh, the, uh, not, it's, I want to change that statement, not the gift. Speaking in tongues is part of the equipment of everybody baptized in the Holy Spirit, your personal prayer language between you and heaven. I'm going to get into that next week. You can go to 1 Corinthians 14. I'll explain the whole thing. There is a gift of tongues, and that gift, when it's used, needs to be interpreted. You get speak out tongues in church. You stand up and say, I got a tongue, Pastor, and you spit up. You, 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 you know, let something loose. It needs to be interpreted. Why? Because the things that are done in the church are for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And if you spoke in tongues in the church and it was nothing was, nothing was 
interpreted, then we'd all say, oh, okay, nice. But nobody was edified because we don't know what you said because you spoke in a tongue. So Paul said, I'd rather speak 10 words in English that could edify you and build you up than 100 words in tongues because if you don't know what the tongue, it didn't get interpreted, what good did it do? Except you looked and said, oh, boy, look at John go. I mean, what else is it going to do for you? It can't edify you because you don't know what it was said. All right? So I'm going to get into all this again next week. I've run out of time, and so I can't go on. But I'm going to show you all of this. I'm going to explain to you all of this. But I just want you to understand, every person that's baptized, if you've asked God to fill you full of the Holy Spirit and you did it by faith, well, then I want to tell you something. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now that you're full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can work with you to illuminate the word. The Holy Spirit can work with you to lead you and guide you and direct you. The Holy Spirit can work with you to all these things. But you have the ability, you're hardwired to speak in tongues. I'll get into why that is. Jude 24 says, pray in tongues, build you up. All right. But the only thing keeping you from speaking in tongues is your own inhibitions, your own fear. It's not God. Because you can't ask. How, what do you... You, if you ask to be saved, you're saved. Am I right? Yes. I mean, it's the way I read my Bible. If you ask Jesus to save you and you believe that he's the son of God and you repent of your sins, the Bible says you're saved. You might walk away and say, well, I don't know if I'm really saved. I certainly hope I'm saved. I wish I would be saved. Well, you're just being stolen by the devil. You either are or you aren't. There's no in between. You're not in this period of like, slowly being molded to salvation. No, you either are or you aren't. And you may be being talked out of it by your head and by the devil and by your old wrong teaching or something of that nature, but it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. If you ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you are baptized in the Holy Spirit if you did receive by faith and you have the ability to speak in other tongues. And the only thing that'll stop you is you. Amen? So I'm going to keep clarifying this. I'm going to keep going to it. Next week, we'll go through 1 Corinthians 14. I'll show you more. We'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about the things, how, what's, what's God and what's not. And we'll keep going. But I know this much, and let me just say this. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life is when my life really took a big turn for victory because then everything came alive to me. The word came alive. Everything came. My hunger for Jesus was already there, but I'm just saying all of a sudden the new world opened up to me. All right. And I, I, you know, I can't live without the Holy Ghost. If you're wondering, I pray in tongues more than you all. I spend hours praying in tongues. I work and pray, pray in tongues. I'm praying in tongues all the time because I'll be honest with you. I don't know what else to do. When I go across my morning prayer, people that I need to pray for, and I start looking at people's lives, I'm like, oh, God, what do I say about that? How do I pray for that person? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, what do I say, Lord? And I just pray in tongues because I don't know what to say. And the Bible, I'll show you that says that's the way it works. Because I'm overwhelmed so many times of just looking and saying, Lord, how? Oh, my goodness, this person, this poor person going through this suffering. Oh, Lord, I don't know what to say. I'm just praying in tongues. So as pastor of the church and as prayer requests come in and other things come in and all these things happen, I just get overwhelmed. I stand around praying in tongues. It's not because it's, you know, like there's nothing better to do. No, it's because I know that that's the most effective thing I can do. So anyway. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I want to ask you, everybody, just to stand up. 
I'm going to, I'm just going to pray over you. And then let me have my prayer team come up here, but I'm going to come up front and I'm going to be standing over here. And if you're here this morning and you want me to lay hands on you, because that's what you feel you need in your life for me to lay hands on you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be over here and I'll pray for you. I'm going to do this next week and the next week and the next week until everybody gets wherever you need to be. All right. I'm going to show you that, and I, I think I did show you that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there at your chair, just like you received Jesus. You can receive Jesus right at your chair, all right? But then there also is Paul laid hands on. I don't want to deny that ministry and that gifting in life, but uh, I just know we're on a journey, church, and we're going to continue. We're going to find exactly what the Holy Ghost wants us to do because I know it's going to be special. It's going to be exciting, and it's going to be great in your lives. Amen. Okay, so let me pray for you. Father, right now, I just thank you in Jesus' name for everybody out there watching and everybody in here. Lord, if there's anyone listening to the sound of my voice and they're not sure that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of their life, Father, I just thank you that right now that they would ask Jesus to come into their life. If you would just ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, repent and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you, you, you came up from the grave for me. And I ask you to, to make heaven my home and you be my Lord. Right there, Jesus will touch you. Right in your home, driving down the road, in your car, wherever you be, he will touch you right there because that's how great of a God he is. If you're out there and you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're needing to be, you want the fullness of God, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit the same way. Luke 11, you can cry out and you say, Jesus, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill me full to overflowing. Fill me so that, Lord, I can, can, can pray in tongues and operate in the gifts of the Spirit and do everything that you want from me, Lord. Right there, if you would begin to cry out to the Lord about that, he'll fill you full of the Holy Spirit because that's how good he is. So, Lord, I ask you today to bless all of these people. Bless the hearing of their ears. Lord, if there's challenges going on with them, them are... are uh, 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 challenges inside of their own heart of their own doctrinal belief that got rattled today. Lord, I just pray for them that they'll know the truth and the truth will set them free. They'll hear the word of God today and it will set them free, destroying those yokes of bondages of, of false doctrine being taught to the church. And that, Lord, we can adhere to what your word says, stand on it, walk in it and be free to be who you called us to be. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them. Lord, give us people this week that we run across, that we can tell about Jesus, that we can pray with, that we can help, Lord. And, 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 and that's what it's all about, us being witnesses for you. So bless them, Lord, now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.